been doing? Running your best lap yet. Since January, we're now coming towards the middle of May. You're going to be pleased to know that today we're going beyond the starting blocks. We're going beyond the starting blocks. And we're going to jump right in. 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 to 10 is our foundation scripture. And it says, it's such a fantastic scripture. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I declare that, and I, conf- and I just want to say that over this congregation to, do, to you today. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren and sistren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. What a beautiful scripture. It's very wordy, but we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, we're going to break it down a little bit as we start going beyond the starting blocks, and we're going to add to our faith. As you, by now you know that the 15th of September 1991 was the most defining moment in my life. It's the day I got saved. It's the day I gave my heart to Jesus. It's the day I got born again. And that day, I went from darkness to light that the Bible speaks about. I went from chaos and confusion to clarity. I went from depression to deliverance. And you know, prior to my salvation, I had some kind of a weird belief system, which I'm sure none of you ever had, but I'm just speaking from my own experience. You know, I knew, I had a conscience before I got saved, so I knew that God didn't expect me to go around murdering people, committing um, adultery, and stealing, and things like this. I knew that I didn't, I, was, I wasn't going to do those things, but I did think that if I went around and I ticked certain boxes, that one day I'd be right with God. One day I'd be all right with God. So I thought, if I get confirmed, even in my 20s, if I get confirmed and I repeated the Apostles' Creed, nothing wrong with the Apostles' Creed, but I thought that if I got confirmed and if I repeated this Apostles' Creed, 
that one day I'd be right with God. I'd be accepted by God. I thought, if I find myself a church of some sort, totally unchurched, I have no church background, I thought, if I find a church, and if I sort of dip in, dip out occasionally, somehow I'll be okay with God one day. But on that day, on the 15th of September, 1991, when I met Jesus, then I realized, and I got a revelation, that Jesus is the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. And it was the most defining moment of my life. It's the day, the day I got born again, my whole life changed. My whole life changed. And it was as if I drew a line in the sand. My life, I I had a radical conversion. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 became my reality. That if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That means he's a new breed of life, a new breed of person. I became a new creature in Christ. So in that instant, on that day, I became a child of God. My spirit was made alive. I had been separated from God for all those years, but all of a sudden, I was no longer separated from God. And my life took on a totally different trajectory. The trajectory of my life changed. And I came to know the love and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness of our God. It was as if somebody had pressed the reset button in my life. Like, let's start again. You know, just press the reset button. All my sins were washed away. All my fears, all my failures were a thing of the past. I love what we sang there this morning about drenched in love, that my shame was dealt with. It was removed from me. My sin and my shame were dealt with. I became this new creature in Christ. You think, praise God, that's wonderful. And it was, and it was, and it still is to this day. I celebrate the fact that I'm born again and I'm, I've been kept by the grace and the goodness of God for 31 years. But I soon came to realize that I had certain patterns of thinking, that I had even certain behaviors which were ingrained into me. They were part of who I was. They were part of my my upbringing, my psyche, it was who I was. But for the last 30, 31 years, God has slowly but surely, he's been changing me, he's been molding me, he's been conforming me, teaching me his ways, teaching me his word. To this day, to this day, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, he's still working, I'm still a work in progress, as are you out there. but I've learned how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've learned how to listen to his unction, to listen to his leading. But what I love is the fact that on that day of salvation, on that 15th day of September, Jesus didn't throw the book at me. He didn't throw the book at me. He didn't say, you've got to get your act together. What a mess you've made of your life. No, he didn't do that. Praise God he didn't. He started dealing with me one thing at a time, one thing at a time. He didn't say to me, well, this is wrong. You need to sort this out. You need to give that up. None of that happened, none of that. 
he just gently spoke to me and slowly but surely. There were many tears, let me tell you. It wasn't always pretty, but there were many tears. But he cleansed me and he led me and he showed me the way forward, even to this very day, even to this very day. When I make mistakes, when I fall, when I don't quite measure up, God is still so patient with me and continues to deal with me one thing at a time. And I know I've not arrived. None of us have. We're on a journey, all of us. This, this Christian life is a journey, but I'm changing and I'm growing. And I will continue to do so until I go home to be with him. So, and I know, I just shared my testimony because I know I'm nothing special, but I know how God deals with me and I know how God deals with his people. So at salvation, when we get saved, when we get born again, we aren't given a different personality or a different character, which is why the Bible says in Philippians 2, in Philippians 2, listen to this scripture. It says, work out your own salvation. Thank you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. God is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I've read the scripture so many times, and it's like exploded for me over the last week or so. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God works in us. As God works in us, he changes our will. He changes our want to. He doesn't override our will, but he changes our desires. He changes our, and, and we, the, my desires suddenly line up to his desires. The things that I wanted to do previously, I don't want to do anymore. He's changed my want to, my desires, because it's for his good pleasure. I do, I want to be a father pleaser. I want to be like Jesus, who only did and said those things that his father said. It doesn't mean when it says work out your own salvation, it doesn't mean that we work for our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift. But when that word work out, it actually means that to do that from which something results. There's got to be a result by working it out. There's got carry out to the goal. That's what it means. Work out means carry out to the goal. So our salvation, when the day we got born again, it should be evident in every area of our lives. God works in us. And as he works in us, he affects our desires and our actions. It's, that's what that scripture said. So Jesus has done a complete work in us. He's done a complete work for us. But we need to cooperate with him as he does a complete work in us. Does this make sense? Yeah. Is it okay? You know, God's more interested in who we're becoming than what, rather than what we accomplish. God's not, he's not, he's not impressed with our performance, but he, it's who we're becoming. You know, you might find certain things in the process as, as we go through this life, as we, as, we, as we respond to God, there might be certain thought patterns, there might be certain behaviors that we might have to 
take away. Remember that series that we did about taking away. God takes away in order to establish. And we're not talking here about behavior modification. It's not like I used to behave like this and now I'm going to stop doing that. No, he works in us to will and to do. He changes our want to. He changes us from the inside. It's about, it was like giving up smoking for me. When I got saved, there was this blue plume of smoke around me permanently. I used to smoke 40 cigarettes a day. And when I got saved, when I went into church, I didn't smoke in the church, but, you know, I mean, I reeked. It was disgusting, you know, what I I smelled like. But first, one of the first things that happened to me when I got saved was I just felt, no one told me, you need to give up smoking. I didn't read it in the Bible that you must give up smoking. No one told me I need to. My want to changed. I, I sat in one place one day. I went, I went to get into a lift, and I thought, cigarettes. I've got to have my cigarettes with me, because what if the lift breaks down and I get stuck in the lift? That was my thinking. So I've got to take my cigarettes with me. And then I re- it dawned on me, I'm in bondage to these cigarettes. They are controlling me about where I can sit. Because at that time as well, they were starting to bring out no smoking sections in restaurants and things like that. And I was confined to sit in a certain place because I wanted to smoke. And I thought, this this thing is, this weed is controlling me. It's telling me where I can sit, where I can't sit. I don't like this. I'm surrendered to Jesus. Jesus, I want to sit anywhere. And so I gave up smoking. It was a choice, it was my, but it came from my desire. It came from God speaking to me on the inside. The Apostle Paul, he wrote that well-known scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. We all hear about it at weddings, the love chapter. But right towards the end of it, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I fought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm -hmm. I put away child. We take away in order to establish. We take away. God takes away in order to establish his kingdom. There's so many scriptures. I'll just read a couple of them. Ephesians 4. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We're going to grow up into him. 1 Peter 2.2 says, as newborn babes, like a child, 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. This is what helps us to grow, desire it, that you may grow thereby. 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to let go of childish things. We're going to leave our Lego alone now. We're not going to play with dolls anymore. We're going to put these foolish, childish things away. And in in the midst of life, we are going to grow up in the things of God. You know, previously, when faced with a situation, I might have responded... A, B, C. I might have responded in a certain way. But now I'm putting away childish things. I'm no longer responding like that. I'm putting on 
the Bible talks about it in Colossians, about putting off the old man, putting off the old unrenewed part of me, and I'm putting on, I'm putting on Christ. I'm putting on his nature. It's a choice. It's a choice that we have to make. He works in me as I respond to him. I'm laying aside to establish. So in, in our text, which is 2 Peter 1, verse 5, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. <coughs> Sorry. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Faith is the starting block. We've been talking about running our best lap yet. We walk by faith. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. But faith is the starting block. And the Bible says that God has dealt to each one of us the measure of faith. So if you're a child of God, God has given to you the measure but it's a starting place. We're not meant to just say, hold on to this little mustard seed of faith. We meant that our faith is meant to grow. It's meant to uh, increase. Our faith is, is to be used to, to become much stronger. We live by faith. We live by faith. We're not to remain in the starting blocks, but faith is the starting place. And this, in this particular scripture, in 2 Peter, Peter is talking to believers here, and he's saying, giving all diligence. Giving all diligence. In other words, make every effort. Make every effort. It doesn't happen automatically. We, we, child of God, must make every effort and add to our faith, which was the starting place, virtue. We need to add to our faith virtue. God doesn't do it. You and I have to do it. We have to make every effort. And then he goes on to this list, and we're going to be going through this list over the next couple of weeks. He goes on to list a number of things. We need to add to our faith. And the first one that he speaks on is virtue virtue. And I like what it says from this scripture in the message. It says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've, what you've been given. Complementing, complementing, adding to your basic faith with good character. Virtue, the purpose of adding these components that he lists there in Peter, which is virtue, it's knowledge, it's brotherly kindness, it's love, um, I can't name them all, self-control, perseverance, godliness. These are things we need to add to our faith. The whole purpose of it is to do with our character, yes. our character, to become more Christ-like. In verse 10 of our, of our, of our um, 2 Peter 1, he says, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you do these things, you will never stumble. That word for never stumble means you will never fall away. You will never fall away. It's all about continual growth, 
continual progress in the Christian life. We cannot stay in the starting blocks. We've got to, we've got to grow and develop in our character. This is what it's about, becoming Christ-like. God doesn't save us so that we can just drift through life and that one day, when I'm old and gray or whatever, I'm going to go home to be with the Lord. It's not, a, it's not, just, a, it's not just an insurance ticket. If that was the case, then at salvation, we might as well just be, go for water baptism and held under the water until we drown and go home to be with the Lord. What's the purpose of living on this earth? It's because we've got a, we've got a work to do. There is a work to be done. There's a lost and dying world out there. There is our neighbors, our friends, people that we're in contact with every single day. We're, we're not saved just for us. We're saved for the others for those that need the Lord. And do you know what's so fantastic is that he's equipped us. The Bible says in verse 3, he says, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us power and he's given us to give, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And in verse 4, he says he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises that have been given to us. He's given us his power. He's given us his word. He's given us his promises. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us everything we have need of. So that, verse 4 says, that through these, through God's power, through his promises, through his word, you may be partakers, partakers of the divine nature. We've been given God's power, this has got to be a Pentecostal word here. We've been given God's power. We've been given God's promises in order to become partakers of God's divine nature. But it's not an automatic download. Those who are old enough will know that at salvation, you weren't given a floppy disk. Do you remember the old floppy disks? Whenever there was an upgrade, a few people can nodding, whenever there was an upgrade to your system, you were given a floppy disk and you'd insert the floppy disk into your hard drive and you press enter. It doesn't work like that. We've got to go, we've got to add, we need to add to our faith virtue. Virtue is not a fruit of the Spirit. Virtue is not even a gift of the Spirit. We need to intentionally, purposefully, deliberately add virtue to your faith. And what is virtue? Virtue means moral excellence or integrity. Moral excellence or integrity. And let me tell you something, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. And we never reach utopia. We never arrive there. Not one of us has such immaculate integrity that we've arrived. There's not one of us. No, we've got to do it on a day-by-day -day basis. It happens on a day through choices, through things that come our way, things that happen to us. We have a choice to make. But we've got to make every effort to add to our faith virtue, integrity. When, when your boss says to you, why are you five minutes late? Well, 
you know, you make up a story. No, integrity, you have an opportunity to add to your faith integrity. And the purpose of, of, of adding virtue or moral excellence is not so that we can lord it over the, those that are lacking in virtue. We're not the sheriffs of the world, okay? We're not going to say, well, I'm morally excellent and you aren't. No, that would be called a Pharisee. Okay, we're not called to be Pharisees, but we are called to conform more and more to the image of Jesus. God is good, and he does good. The Bible says that good and upright is the Lord. Good and upright. In, In Psalm 92, he says, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So moral goodness, virtue, integrity, this is what we need to add to our faith. Add to our faith. But it's internal. It's something that's internal. It's who you are when nobody's watching. That's what integrity is. It's when, also when your private life is consistent with your public life. And it's doing what's right because it's right. Not just because you want the results. Just do what's right because it's right. I get caught out like this frequently in the shops. When I take out, I find um, something in one of the containers and I think, oh, there's, a, there's something that I'll buy. And I, and I put it in my basket, and then I go a little bit further down, and I find, oh, no, no, there's better selection over here. So now I'll take out of my basket, and I'll put it in the wrong place. And every single time, I just feel God saying, no, 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 you've got to put it back. You, you put it back from where you found it. You're not going to just dump it here. You put it back where you found it, in that other little section. It's like, but Lord, it's a long way away. It doesn't it's what you do in public is what you do in public it's internal it's internal we can't ignore the promptings of the holy spirit of my place so hey you know what when we meet people we think wow weren't they a good looking or not good looking but maybe weren't they really a great person we can present really well but then when you get to know some people it's like well, they presented well, but mm, maybe, you know, they need, to add, they need to add to their faith a little bit of virtue. But reputation is what others think of you. But integrity is who you really are. And the word integrity, it comes from a Latin word, and I actually took Latin at school, so I'm not just looking this up, okay? But it comes from a, a Latin word which is called, which is integer. That's not the Latin, Latin pronunciation, but it doesn't matter. But it means complete, intact, whole. And it's where we get the word integrated from. That's what inter, inter, in, in, integer is. And one of the many definitions, you can go into the internet and find so many definitions about integrity, but one of them is the state of being whole and undivided. The state of being whole and undivided. It's who you are in public. Does it line up with who you are in private? There's got to be a consistency. So when we go to the gym, 
Are, who are you in the gym? Okay, are you the same in the gym apart from being sweaty? But are you the same in the gym? When you go to work, who are you in work? Who are you around your colleagues? Who are you at home? Who are you in the office? When you go to the shops, when you're talking to your neighbors, when you're stuck in traffic, who are you? The real you. Who are you in private? And who you are in public needs to be integrated, needs to be that integrity. It implies trustworthiness and consistency. It's about being consistent, about being the same. And it's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's not about never making a mistake. That's not what it's about. But it's adding to our faith virtue through the power, through the promises of God that he's given us. And we're going to look at Psalm 15, which is a perfect example of virtue, of integrity. Written by David. And he said, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? In other words, who can dwell? in your presence, who can dwell in your holy hill. And he goes on, he says, he who walks uprightly, he who works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. I love that. I just want to stop there. He who walks uprightly, he who works righteousness righteousness, and speaks the truth in his heart. He's talking there about a walk. He's talking there about a work. And he's talking there about your word. There's got to be consistency. You can't say one thing and do another. There's got to be every area of our lives is to be affected by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot dip in, dip out. There's got to be this integration, this integrity, your walk, your work, and your word. And he goes on. He says, he who does not backbite with his tongue. And all God's people said, amen. Refuse to slander. Refuse to criticize. And here I'm going to take it one step further. Refuse to even listen to gossip. Avoid it. Run away from it. If somebody starts gossiping, run away. Just avoid it. Get away from it. Get away from gossip. Don't even listen to it. He goes on, he says, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. He doesn't disapprove of his friend as a friend. Come on, your friend. You don't talk badly of your friend. And he goes on, he says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Be a person of your word. We heard this while we were at the conference last week. Be a person of yes in a world of maybe. The world is full of maybes. Nobody will commit to anything. But be a person of yes in a world of maybe. Swear to your own hurt and do not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, I thought, oh, well, that's okay. That's none of us. Unless we've got some secret loan sharks here in the, in the church and, you, and you, you are bending people over backwards to try and get extortionate interest rates. No, we, we're okay. This, we can skip that line. But you know what? I think, you know what? I think maybe 
Let's, let's dig a little bit into this. And sometimes I think it means um, taking advantage of your wealth. Maybe by taking advantage of wealth, whether it's financial, whether it's intellectual, whether it's a, a position of power. You know, if you're in a position of authority in your workplace, um, let's not abuse that authority. Let's not abuse that position of power. Let's be people of integrity. Let, you know, and, and even I think about intellectual knowledge. If it's in your power to share knowledge, do so. We're not interested in everyone's opinions about everything. You know, I'm not talking about that. But if you're in a position to share knowledge, do so. Don't withhold what, what, you, what, you, what God has blessed you with. Share knowledge. But the Bible says in Proverbs 3, it says, don't withhold from others when it's in your power to do so. Don't withhold from others. And so throughout the psalm, we see, we see integrity. We see this integrated life throughout, whether it's walking, whether it's speaking, whether it's um, being a person of our word, whether it's making promises. But we are called to live these integrated lives, consistent lives, a life of virtue, a life of moral excellence. And he says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. So, you know, maybe sometimes we think, well, faith is like old school. We finished with faith. Let me tell you what, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We are called to live by faith. We are called to walk by faith. Faith is our foundation. Faith is our foundation, and we're going to build on it. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, grow, mature, build, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast. Faith is good. We need to hold fast to what is good. The message says, don't be gullible. This is so good. Don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what is good. We need to build on faith. Faith is our foundation. We need to build on faith. We need to build on sound teaching. We're not going to just run off with the latest fad. You know, I'm, we were blessed under the ministry of Ray McCauley. Under Ray McCauley, we, we had so much consistency with his teaching in South Africa. There were fads. There were moves of this and moves of the Spirit. We stuck to the middle ground. We stuck to the middle ground. 40, 45 years later, that church is still thriving. We stuck to, we didn't get sidetracked. We weren't just gullible. Oh, this is the latest fashion now. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. We stayed on the middle ground. And I'm telling you, this is where we're going to stay on the middle ground in this church. We're not going to get moved. We're going to hold fast the pattern of sound words. We're going to hold fast which we have heard from the, from the word of God. So add to your faith. Continue to grow. It's, Chris always says this, every day is a school day. And it's true. Man, I thought I'd left school years ago. I thought, yes, that's it. I've done that. Been there, done that. Bought the t-shirt at last. I'm out of it. But it's not. Every day is a school day. And we've got to grow. And as long as we are growing, we're in a safe place. If you're not growing, and this is a challenge, if you're not growing, you're standing still. 
And if you're standing still, you're going backwards. And that's not what we call to do. We call to add to our faith, add to our faith. We cannot depend on yesterday's faith. The Bible says now faith is, now, today. I can't rely on yesterday's faith. I've got to have faith for today. And the same with yesterday's character. Ah, tick the boxes yesterday. I was morally excellent. Well, guess what? Pride comes before a fall. <laughs> so take heed. You know, we're not going to be walking around strutting about how brilliant we were yesterday. Today's a new day. We're going to walk in, in moral excellence. We're going to walk in our integrity today. You know, it's life is like this multifaceted diamond. Life has got so many different facets to it. It's amazing. And I think our God is a multifaceted God. Isn't he wonderful? There's so many aspects. You think, oh, I just love the love of God. And we can become so overwhelmed and enjoy his love. And then suddenly we learn about his mercy. And we experience his mercy. And then suddenly it's his grace. And there's so many different aspects to God that we haven't even tapped into. But this is multifaceted. But God, his word says that he's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So us as a multifaceted people, integrated though. He says to us in, in 1 Peter 2, he says that we're coming to him as living stones, as living stones, and we are being built up a spiritual house as we add to our faith these things. And I'm going to close with 2 Peter 1, verse 8. He says in the ESV, I don't think Chris has got it on the screen yet, but if it, I'll just read it. It says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you being effective and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you, Lord, for, the, for your promises, which all of your promises are yes and amen. And for, so, Father, we thank you that we can become partakers of your divine nature. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved us for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved us to become ambassadors for you, to shine the light of Jesus Christ in a lost and dying world. Thank you, Lord, that we can be excellent ambassadors as we represent you on this earth. And we give you thanks, we give you praise. I just want to encourage anybody that if you're feeling a little bit, maybe a little bit, hmm, that doesn't fit so nicely, or feel a little condemned, let me tell you something, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This word was meant to bring life and with, with a spirit of love. And so, Father, I just thank you that you, you encourage us, you inspire us to come up higher, to grow up.